Chapter Seven of Mother Carey's Chickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mother Carey's Chickens by Kate Douglas Wiggins. Chapter Seven: Old Beasts into New. Mother Carey went to sleep that night in greater peace than she had felt for months. It had seemed to her, all these last sad weeks, as though she and her brood had been breasting stormy waters with no harbor in sight. There were friends in plenty here and there, but no kith and kin, and the problems to be settled were graver and more complex than ordinary friendship could untangle, vexed as it always was by its own problems. She had but one keen desire, to go to some quiet place where temptations for spending money would be as few as possible, and there live for three or four years, putting her heart and mind and soul on fitting the children for life. If she could keep strength enough to guide and guard, train and develop them into happy, useful, agreeable human beings, masters of their own powers, wise and discreet enough, when years of discretion were reached, to choose right paths, that, she conceived, was her chief task in life, and no easy one. Happy I must contrive that they shall be, she thought, for unhappiness and discontent are among the foxes that spoil the vines. Stupid they shall not be, while I can think of any force to stir their brains. They have ordinary intelligence, all of them, and they shall learn to use it. Dull and sleepy children I can't abide. Fairly good they will be, if they are busy and happy, and clever enough to see the folly of being anything but good. And so, month after month, for many years to come, I must be helping Nancy and Kathleen to be the right sort of women, and wives, and mothers, and Gilbert and Peter the proper kind of men, and husbands, and fathers. Mother Carey's chickens must be able to show the good birds the way home, as the Admiral said, and I should think they ought to be able to set a few bad birds on the right track now and then. Well, all this would be a task to frighten and stagger many a person, but it only kindled Mrs. Carey's love and courage to a white heat. Do you remember where Kingsley's redoubtable town the water baby swims past shiny wall and reaches that last peace pool? Peace pool, where the good whales lie, waiting till Mother Carrie shall send for them to make them out of old beasts into new? Tom swims up to the nearest whale and asks the way to Mother Carrie. There she is in the middle, says the whale, though Tom sees nothing but a glittering white peak like an iceberg. That's Mother Carrie, spouts the whale, as you will find if you get to her. There she sits making old beasts into new all the year round. How does she do that? asks Tom. That's her concern, not mine, the whale remarks discreetly. And when Tom came nearer to the white glittering peak, it took the form of something like a lovely woman sitting on a white marble throne. And from the foot of the throne, you remember, there swam away, out and out into the sea, millions of newborn creatures of more shapes and colors than man ever dreamed and they were Mother Carrie's children whom she makes all day long. Tom expected, I am still telling you what happened to the famous water baby, Tom expected, like some grown people who ought to know better, that he would find Mother Carrie snipping, piecing, fitting, stitching, cobbling, basting, filing, planing, hammering, turning, polishing, molding, measuring, chiseling, clipping, and so forth, as men do when they go to work to make anything. But instead of that she sat quite still with her chin upon her hand, looking down into the sea with two great blue eyes as blue as the sea itself, as blue as our own mother's blue velvet bonnet, Kitty would have said. Was Beulah the right place? wondered Mrs. Carey as she dropped asleep. 
and all night long she heard in dreams the voice of that shining little river that ran under the bridge near beulah village and all night long she walked in fields of buttercups and daisies and saw the june breeze blow the tall grasses she entered the yellow-painted house and put the children to bed in the different rooms and the instant she saw them sleeping there it became home and her heart put out little roots that were like tendrils but they grew so fast that by morning they held the yellow house fast and refused to let it go she looked from its windows onto the gardens fore and aft and they seemed like the rest of little beulah village full of sweet promise in the back were all sorts of good things to eat growing in profusion but modestly out of sight and in front where passers-by could see their beauty and sniff their fragrance old-fashioned posies bloomed and rioted and tossed gay perfumed heads in the sunshine she awoke refreshed and strong and brave not the same woman who took nancy's idea to bed with her for this woman's heart and hope had somehow flown from the brick house in charlestown and had built itself a new nest in beulah's green trees the elms and willows that overhung the shining river an idea of her own ran out and met nancy's halfway instead of going herself to spy out the land of beulah why not send gilbert it was a short inexpensive railway journey with no change of cars gilbert was nearly fourteen and thus far seemed to have no notion of life as a difficult enterprise no mother who respects her boy or respects herself can ask him flatly do you intend to grow up with the idea of taking care of me of having an eye to your sisters or do you consider that since i brought you into the world i must provide both for myself and you until you are a man or forever and a day after if you feel inclined to shirk your part in the affair gilbert talked of his college course as confidently as he had before his father's death it was nancy who as the eldest seemed the head of the family but gilbert only a year or so her junior ought to grow into the head somehow or other the way to begin would be to give him a few delightful responsibilities such as would appeal to his pride and sense of importance and gradually to mingle with him certain duties of headship neither so simple nor so agreeable beulah would be a delightful beginning nancy the pathfinder would have packed a bag and gone to beulah on an hour's notice found the real estate dealer in case there was such a metropolitan article in the village looked up her father's old friend the colonel with the forgotten surname discovered the owner of the charming house rented it and brought back the key in triumph but nancy was a girl rich in courage and enterprise while gilbert's manliness and leadership and discretion and consideration for others needed a vigorous decisive continued push if nancy's idea was good mother carey's idea matched it to see gilbert valise in hand eight dollars in pocket leaving charlestown on a friday noon after school was equal to watching columbus depart for an unknown land thrilling is the only word that will properly describe it and the group that followed his departure from the upper windows used it freely and generously he had gone gaily downstairs and nancy flung after him a small packet in an envelope just as he reached the door there's a photograph of your mother and sisters she called in case the owner refuses to rent the house to you just show him the rest of the family and don't forget to say that the rent is exorbitant whatever it is they watched him go jauntily down the street mother carey with special pride in her eyes he had on his second best suit and it looked well on his straight slim figure he had a gallant air had gilbert and one could not truly say it was surface gallantry either it simply did not at present go very deep no one could call him anything but a fine boy thought the mother and surely the outside is the key to what is within his firm chin his erect head his bright eye his quick tread his air of alert self-reliance surely here is enough 
for any mother to build on. End of chapter 7